0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Drunken Mustache Podcast. I'm Logan. I'm TJ. And today we've got a throwback episode. Uh, we are, of course, we've already discussed this pretty much on every podcast we do, but we are a couple of metalheads. And today we just wanted to take a us week uh, and review some of our favorite albums uh, in metal history ever. So this week, We're going to be talking about Megadeth, Rust in Peace, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, and Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance. Now, I'd like to lead off in this segment just to get forward. I know I've been a very stringy critic, probably much stringier than T.G. has been in the past. But personally, I have a very high setting for what I define as a perfect album. I just want to know, go let our viewers know going into this, all three of these in my mind are perfect albums. What does that mean? So first off, let's get the basic stuff out of the way. Obviously, it sounds good, not just to me, but probably to multiple people. This is something that's been acknowledged as being a very good song, to, album to listen to, not by, just by myself, but also by other people. Two, it has a big impact on the culture that listens to it and some of those things are kind of hard to tell at the time that the music comes out but these albums have been along, around long enough where you can trace back and see that all of them in fact i think number of the beast in particular have had big cultural impacts when they came out three and this is getting back into the music side of things all the songs on the album are unique you can automatically tell which so- which songs are which. You don't have to guess. It doesn't sound samey or anything like that. And then uh, from four, I think that's just, uh, other than that, it's just something that it seems like the artists had fun time just singing with. I, I hate to, I don't want to see something that's just put out there for money. Uh, TG, I I think we both share the same feelings on these albums. That these are pretty perfect uh, do you have anything, any thoughts that you want to add on to that before we really get into the nitty-gritty?
1: Um, I, I mean, mainly, I just think it's interesting to kind of go back and uh, go over these albums critically. Because, I mean, I, I, these were all, I think, with the exception of Rust in Peace, uh, released before you and I were born. So it uh, to me, it's just kind of funny to look back and see how well they've held up. And, I mean, I, I kind of think we've already... Or rather you've already covered kind of how we feel about them so um yeah uh that th- that's kind of it before we get into them individually
0: yeah personally i think i know that we are metalheads, and we, we emphasize that every time but personally i think these are albums that everybody should check out at least once i mean they might not agree 100 percent with the taste that you feel but they are unique they have a big impact and they're just good songs so with that in mind, uh, I'd like to get into it. We'll start off with our first one, Iron Maiden, A Number of the Beast. Here's a sample track from the uh, song title, Number of the Beast. I left alone. My mind was blank. I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. I really want to play more of that song. Anyway, uh, <laughs> getting into it. So to start things off, uh, Iron Maiden's obviously a very popular power metal band out of Britain. Probably one of the more influential – well, I'm not sure about influential. I think they made a cultural impact by the topics that they chose to sing about. Obviously, the Number of the Beast when it first came out, the fact that it was clearly a song about Satan – Uh, regardless of how it was written, made people kind of come out against it. Like they were saying, you know, this is all the stuff that we always said about rock. It's about the devil. It's bad. It's anti-Christian. And clearly if you listen to the song, that's not what it's about. But regardless, uh, Iron Maiden, you know, took the stance to sing about a topic like that. And I mean, not just that. I mean, you listen to Run to the Hills, which is, I actually think is less controversial overall as far as the impact it had, but it's probably on a more controversial topic about the white man coming overseas and wiping out the Native American populace and just the impact they had on Native Americans in general. So Iron Maiden clearly picks some very interesting topics uh, for their songs. What stands out to me about this album and just about Iron Maiden in general is say what you will about the music and the songs, I always liked their lyrics out of the most of any metal band I've ever listened to because they do so much with so little and they kind of make very poignant impacts with their, with their topic choices. You know, they they again run to the Hills. They cover both sides of the story with the white man and the Indian. And clearly there is a favorite, maybe favoritism, I guess you could call it, toward the Indians, where they're portrayed, I guess, a little more positively, but at the end of the day, both they're portrayed as kind of violent and being against each other. And I think they do a lot, considering they only have, like, three full stanzas in that song. They just, they do a lot with that topic to kind of make you feel the impact of the situation. And, of course, uh, it's not actually in this album, but they also, you know, songs like... uh, The Trooper, which is about the charge of the Light Brigade, they pick very interesting topics, and they do a great job of painting the stories very well. And I guess another thing that I always liked about them, as a metal band, you can actually understand what they're saying, which is a complaint I get from a lot of people that don't listen to metal albums a lot, is like, I can't understand what these people are singing about. Well, now I
1: want to interrupt one second and point out the more you listen to death metal, the less of an issue that becomes, you get used to it. It's kind of a language in and of itself. Just kind of have to put that out there.
0: I don't know, man. Cause have you listened, we listened to Galacticon or whatever it's called. And yeah, I couldn't understand anything coming out of it. Well, there are exceptions. There okay. are exceptions. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, but
1: anyway, I didn't mean to get you off track. No, please, no,
0: please no. Continue. My point is. I get it. If you're a fan, it's it's something you you're right. If you're a fan, it's something that you get easier with dealing, uh, in that situation. But I think just in general, this is the one band where I could come straight off of, you know, country music or anything else and you could turn it on and people would be like, Oh yeah, I can actually hear and understand the lyrics. Whereas you can't turn oh, yeah, absolutely you can't turn them on to Megadeth immediately and be like and have them expect them to understand what these people are singing about. Maybe some of it, I mean. But yeah, like, if using another song that we're going to talk about shortly, you know, if, they, if you put them on to Take No Prisoners, they'd probably be like, well, I understood all the parts where they were saying incredibly violent things. But other than that, I didn't hear any of the real in-between words. And then, yeah, Judas Priest does a pretty good job. But again, that's mostly just the, uh, what's the word, the chorus, the part that gets repeated. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting off on a topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to highlight the part that I really like about this group, but I mean, I like, we kind of already touched on it. I really like the fact that this album doesn't have any repetition stuff. It All the songs are very unique. All the intros, you can tell immediately which song you're listening to, and that's a huge deal for me. Anyway, I'm going to hand it over to TG because we could talk about these stuff all day back and forth, but TG, go ahead. What, what were your thoughts on the album?
1: All right, um... So Iron Maiden's another, they're, they're, a, they're a classic band in the genre. There's, I mean, if you, if you talk to any metalhead out there, Iron Maiden is going to be somewhere on their list of favorite bands. I, that's just indisputable. And if somebody, if a metalhead says they don't like Iron Maiden, they're probably wrong and should be sent to the nearest re-education facility. But, um, you know, this is, this is going to sound a little funny given what you've already just said, but uh, this is actually not my favorite Iron Maiden album. Make no mistake, it's it's definitely a great one. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's got some of the most iconic songs on there, such as Hallowed Be Thy Name, Number of the Beast, and Run of the Hills. Um, I mean, those are, those are, at least one of those is going to be on any given Metalhead's list of top songs. It may not be a top 10 list, depending on who you're talking to, but... Um, I think part of that is this is the first album they ever recorded with Bruce Dickinson on vocals. Um, so there, there's a few points in this album, such as invaders that seem a little awkward to me. Uh, Bruce Dickinson is definitely one of the greatest rock and metal vocalists in the game ever. I mean, the guy is like what, 50, 60 years old and they're still doing world tours and he still sounds just as good today as he did. 30 years ago but um you know it's it's kind of hard to put my finger on it but some of the some of the vocal parts of invaders and gangland for example seem a little awkward like he's still trying to find his place in the band um i mean when he works he really works i mean just listen to number of the beast and run of the hills those are just classic metal songs let alone classic iron maiden songs but um to me looking back at how this album has influenced things uh knowing where they went afterwards this seemed like a like a glimpse at the way of things were going to go from here on out because uh to me the greatest iron maiden album is power slave um that's an album I, we could spend a solid hour talking about that one easily i think but that is an album where every single song just has this amazing epic feel to it. Um, and much like you said about this one, about, uh, number of the beast, it's one of those songs each and like within five seconds of putting on any track from it, you know, which one you're listening to. Like they they just kind of have that iconic memory in your head, you know? Um, uh, but God, I kind of lost my train of thought. Um. No, I mean, obviously, this is this is an album that has definitely earned its place in music history. Um, I would argue that not only did it have a cultural impact, I mean, yeah, it had that controversy back in the day, uh, like with the title track, you know, having kind of a satanic theme to it, uh, but the new wave of British heavy metal that Iron Maiden was part of, that ended up being a major influence on, um, you know, a lot of the heavier, thrashier... Uh, 80s metal that came out like including Megadeth like we're going to talk about in a minute uh, partially because and and this was one of the big things Iron Maiden did was they have that kind of galloping uh, not quite thrashy sound to their guitar where um, it almost sounds like it's being played to the cadence of a horse hoof beats yeah weird way to think about it but that was kind of uh, Iron Maiden's signature sound that they ended up developing that went on to influence countless other thrash and power metal bands for years to come so um i, I guess, mean yeah i'm not gonna bother giving my opinion as far as whether this was good or bad because i think you already get the picture <laughs> but um yeah I, I guess that would be i i i kind of feel like i'm about to start spinning my wheels if i continue talking so i'll just kind of cut myself off here
0: well this is very and i believe i mean i kind of looked up a bit on the band i'm not as familiar with their history as a lot of people, but I believe Iron Maiden just started as like a, what's the name of that kiss cover band. Yeah. And so, yeah, to fang, think that they developed and they had such a large impact on metal music in general is kind of mind blowing, but yeah, I obviously I already think this is a 10. I just think that culturally impacting speaking, I think it was probably one of the better albums. Obviously it's one of their better albums. It's got some of their better throwback stuff, but Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think – yeah, like you said, I'm just going to be –
1: It's a classic. I mean, what what more can be said about it?
0: Well, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's more I want to touch on, but it's like I feel like I'm agreeing with you. If I keep trying to talk about it, I'm just going to end up spinning my wheels at some point. But, yeah, I mean, it's one of those albums where I think everybody should listen to it at least once if you – if you dare to dream, you know, just go out there, give this album a shot. Even if you don't like metal, you should take a look at these songs. I swear the devil isn't going to curse you. I, I want to believe that most of us are beyond believing in that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Plus, I mean, it's a solid example. I mean, even though it's like 30 years old, it, it's a solid example of metal that doesn't say, make you feel like your eardrums are being pierced by hot nails. I, I've actually heard somebody to describe uh, god who was it uh, thy art is murder oh but i'm like you're comparing two t- totally different branches of i'll just leave it at that
0: well so, some i mean and that's kind of what you deal with some people just don't understand metal like we're trying part of this thing is so that we can try to understand other branches of music too i mean we're struggling with some oh, of it absolutely but yeah i mean if you listen and you care about music at all give this album a shot i mean the album we're about to talk about, I might not say that. I do think it's a 10 out of 10 in my book, but I probably don't feel the same way about it. But that said, it is kind of the album that spurred this on because both TG and I wanted to talk about it cri- critically, and that is Megadeth, Rust in Peace. So there is a song called Rust in Peace on this album, but I'm actually going to play the song Holy Wars because I think it just has a much better intro. So Excellent
1: choice. Here we go.
0: Right. and I'm going to cut it short there. Uh, so, like I said, I think we both really, <laughs> I'm not sure this is my favorite album, but it's certainly up there. TG, I know you love this album. Uh, I kind of took up our time with the Iron Maiden album before, so I'll let you lead off. What, <laughs> All right. What do you want to touch on? Uh, so, uh, Rust in Peace, that is Megadeth's fourth
1: album. And um, for anybody that's not familiar with Megadeth, because uh, I feel like they don't quite have the same uh, brand recognition outside of the heavy metal fan base that someone like, say, uh, Iron Maiden or Metallica would. Uh, but just to kind of quickly explain who Megadeth are, um, it's a band fo- founded by a, na- by a guy by the name of Dave Mustaine who was, uh, believe it or not, Metallica's original guitar player before they released their first album. Um, the reason he was not on their first album was because he and was so much of an asshole that even by Metallica standards, they were like, no, fuck this. Um, And I think, like, either he kicked James Hetfield's dog or James Hetfield kicked his dog. I'm not sure. They were all coked out back in the day, so they're really not terribly sure either, but (laughs) screw it. Um, I mean, no joke. You can look this up. It's a thing. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, that's... that's, To me... I didn't know about that.
0: I didn't know about that part. Somewhere. Dave
1: Mustaine was so much of an asshole that even Metallica couldn't deal with his shit.
0: <laughs> well, I have heard stories of his legendary assholery, and I think actually there was – we're going to touch on this, but there was a situation of him just being – like, of just not thinking about his surroundings that accidentally caused a riot in relation to this album. Yep. But anyway, yep. I'm going to let you continue. We're going to get to that. <laughs> so um... – but yeah, I mean, this is this is honestly one of my favorite
1: albums that they've ever made. Um, like, Megadeth was the first band I ever got obsessed with uh, back in the day. Like, I, I still remember the first time I got a copy of this album and put it on in my truck driving. Uh, I forget, like, I, I think I was driving back from a swim competition in Valdosta. Um, and I remember, like, the first track, Holy Wars. And, like, I literally felt chills go down my spine. Like, I'm like, this... This is the shit right here. Um, just to go ahead and get this fact out of the way, this this album is widely recognized uh, as one of the greatest thrash metal albums of all time, if not um, albums of all time. I'm gonna stop short of saying it is the best metal album ever because, I mean, everybody's got their own opinion on that and I can actually think of one or two. I might come close to ranking a bit higher than this, but that's irrelevant right now you can pick any song off of it and play it and I'm gonna be happy like there's not a single piece of filler on this entire CD Um, it's just to me the production is fantastic every single member of the band is playing at their peak and to me this this album features the best lineup Megadeth has ever or ever will have I mean you've got Dave Mustaine on guitar and vocals and he's one of those guys vocally speaking you can kind of take him or leave him um, if he was with any other band doing any other very vari- any other uh, genre of music he would be a terrible vocalist but his voice works with what they're doing um David Ellefson is killing it on bass uh, in fact they they even have an entire song that's basically just him Bass riffs the uh uh what was it um Dawn Patrol, Dawn Patrol, which was like the yeah. lead-in for the title track of the album. Um, their drummer was Nick Minza, who is just an absolute legend um, in the metal community. Uh, and it's kind of a shame he passed away a year or two ago, because a lot of the Megadeth fans have been kind of hoping and praying for a era lineup reunion. But, you know... Uh, of course, on on the other, the other guitar player is Marty Friedman, who is just an amazing musician. In fact, if you want an example of just how incredible this guy is, listen to the song Tornado of Souls on this album. Um the solo was just completely improvised on the spot. Like the record is saying that when Marty Friedman was in there recording the solo for that song, when he finished, he came out and Mustaine was almost in tears, shook his hand and said, "Welcome to the band." I mean, and, and this is Mustaine is a guy who's well known for being a, a pretty talented shredder in his own right so and he's full of he's full of his own ego so for him to do something like that it had to have impressed him um well i had to list any of my favorite songs because really there's not a single bad track on the album for me so
0: well and i think this is a band that a lot of those legendary like metal album stories like I don't know how many people have gone back and watched like uh, Metalocalypse on uh, Cartoon Network, but a lot of the stuff that you see on that show that isn't completely unrealistic, like with band members like playing guitar battles against each other to try and prove themselves and stuff like that, like a lot of that legend is built around stuff that Megadeth actually took part in. So it's kind of crazy to think about. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I like I really. Honestly, I've never been a huge Megadeth fan. There are certain songs for them that are like, oh, yeah, I love this song, but I don't think there's a ton of albums where I can just listen to the whole thing and be like, that's great. So, honestly, I've never really given them as much thought as groups like Metallica or Iron Maiden. Ironically enough, and I told TG to remind me of this so I didn't forget about it, what actually (laughs) turned me on to this album was a... uh, was a news piece that came out in The Onion that ba- I forget what the exact word they used was, but it was something along the lines of uh, art Art critics are disappointed that uh, people continue to generate art without realizing that Megadeth Rust in Peace was generated like 20 years ago. And I was like, oh. oh. yeah, yeah, I
1: just pulled it up. It was humanity still producing new art as though Megadeth's Rust in Peace doesn't already exist.
0: Exist, yeah. <laughs> I love the, and I think there's like a light in there about like uh, them taking out a whole wing of the uh, the Louvre and just leaving blank walls and just playing Lucretia on loop. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds about right. But no, <laughs> I, I mean, that was what turned me on to the album. And after I listened to it, I was like, holy crap, this is, you know, and again, TG, you brought it up. I think it's something that's subjective, but this should be in the discussion every time as top metal album ever made it's pretty it's it's pretty hard to argue i mean my only thing is that it's not long enough but i mean that's with, yeah. with anything great i mean what are you gonna do uh the only song that i'm really not thrilled with on this album is my creation and again that's just but
1: to be perfectly fair that's a bonus track that that's a bonus track
0: well it's also just because it's too short anyway i mean it's like okay yeah i was hoping that yeah. it wouldn't be a minute and a half long like okay but anyway there's so many fun stories tied to this album too we talked about uh Mustang accidentally generating a riot before that was actually when yeah. they, <laughs> That was actually when what kind of led to the inspiration for the song holy wars was i think he was was it ireland yeah he was in north ireland And he read about the cause, which he didn't realize uh, was actually about the Catholic versus Protestant kind of conflict that they had up in Northern Ireland. I, I don't know. I'm not geopolitical, but basically the Catholic side doesn't like the Protestant side and vice versa. And it's a big deal because I believe it's the Protestants that own North Ireland. And most of Ireland is like, well, we never agreed to that. So why is England backing these guys? But anyway... That's just a simplified version from a person who doesn't know much about history. Keep that in mind. But anyway, yeah. Dave, basically,
1: what happened? Are, are you going to tell the whole story, or um, take it or over? Is that it
0: take it over. You're a pretty good story storyteller. Go for it.
1: Okay, so um, basic, like you said, it was based around the Northern Ireland conflict. And the, the long short of it was, before a show there, um, Dave Mustaine saw there were some bootleg T-shirts being sold. And at first he was going to shut it down because it's like, you know, you guys are basically taking, you know, you're, you're taking money out of my pocket. But then he he was like, okay, they, they, he, it was explained to him that they were raising money for the cause. Quote, unquote, the cause. Now, yes. And without questioning it any, any further, he thought that that was a pretty cool thing. He thought that it was like uh, some kind of peacekeeping thing or something. He totally just had no – he was probably too coked out of his fucking head to get what was going on. So he thought it was pretty fucking cool. Gets up on stage and in the middle of his set, uh, they were playing a cover of Anarchy in the UK and dedicated it to the cause, which riot. And from that point forward, they had to riot in a bulletproof bus.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of amazed that they got out of that as safely as they did, considering the circumstances surrounding it. It is pretty ironic that they did it in the middle of a set for the uh, anarchy in the UK based on how it played out, even though I guess they were in Ireland.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, basically the whole thing was just Mustaine being completely fucking tone deaf.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Read the room, buddy. Anyway, this is a great album. We're going to have to talk about the last album, so I'm going to cut it short. But basically, this is a great album. This is not a great album for people who are not necessarily into metal, but if you like metal or you're at least giving it a try, this is a fantastic album and you need to play, listen to it at least once. Uh, yeah.
1: It's a great entry point uh, for thrash metal, even a little bit of progressive metal. I mean, I, I will say hanger 18 off this album. I was listening to it with my dad back in high school. He to it with me. And he looked, and he's like, you know, if you like this, you ought to check out a band called dream theater. Okay. Now I will say, I, I don't totally see the similarity between the two, but that was how I got turned on a dream theater and progressive rock as a whole. So that association stands in my mind. So I was about you know, to say, you're going to have
0: to explain that one to me, but okay. I mean, if it worked <laughs> out for you, yeah. I, I will say uh hanger 18, not a lot of lyrical prowess in that song, but probably one of the most, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the proper term, like probably the most well-composed songs in metal history that I can think of the way it just dances around. Like it does anyway.
1: Oh yeah. Fun, a uh, fun note. Supposedly part of that song. Um, I, I forget which passage, uh, which bit of music, but uh, apparently part of that was something that Mustaine wrote back when he was with Metallica and that same fragment ended up becoming part of call Cthulhu on uh, ride, the lightning for Metallica. Huh? I'll
0: have to check that out. I'll have to take it. Yeah. Listen. It's
1: actually funny. There's, there's actually several songs that Mustaine wrote or partially wrote w- during his time in Metallica that went on to be revised and, uh, reworked to become uh Megadeth songs like, um, what he wrote for four horsemen for Metallica became known as mechanics on Megadeth's first album.
0: I'll have to take a listen just to compare, but anyway,
1: yeah, with those two, it's really obvious, but, uh, I, I still haven't completely nailed down the similarity between call of Cthulhu and Hangar 18. I, that's just what I've read somewhere.
0: Well, also call of Cthulhu is kind of a weird one. Cause it's, there's no words. So there's no real jumping off point. It's just kind of like, well, at some point you just gotta sync it up. Anyway,
1: Right, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking musically, not lyrically.
0: We got to move on. We're going to leave out Judas Priest at this rate. So last group, we got Judas Priest uh, screaming for vengeance. So here I've got the intro song, The Hellion Slash Electric Eye. Take a quick listen. gonna cut it there it's kind of a shame because it's such it's a really big build-up until right into electric eye but anyway tg this was the album you recommended and i think i've listened to the other two albums like 50 times uh this was kind of going over this one i did listen to this judas priest album three or four times this week but i think you have more experience with it so why don't you go ahead and give us the intro
1: okay um so uh I kind of feel the same way about this one that I did number for the beast. Um, it's not my favorite Judas priest album, but it is a classic in its own right. I mean, it gave us, uh, you've got another thing coming, which to this day is one of, uh, Judas priests, biggest fan favorites. I think they play it at every live performance they ever do. In fact, I know they played it when my dad and I saw them a couple years ago, but, uh, to me, it's... God, I am losing my train of thought all over the place today. Um, it's it's not so much a train as it is a derailment. Um, but, you know, it's funny you picked the Hellion as the intro. Uh, before I knew that You Got Another Thing Coming was on this album, it was, the elec- it was Electric Eye uh, and the associated intro track Hellion that you played that first caught my attention when I was looking for new music several years ago. And... Uh, it's
0: shit. Um, lost your anyway. Th- God, you, you really have derailed at this point. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of together. But. I'm going to jump in for a second and just talk about what I really liked about this. So obviously TG's got a lot more experience with Judas Priest than I do. I like their stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have all their albums. I haven't listened to all their albums like 50 different times. With uh, this album, so coming into this album, I knew some of the songs, but some of it was kind of new to me. I did really like The Hellion and Electric Eye. I was kind of weirded out that those were actually separate songs because it just felt like they belonged together. But that makes sense. I mean, The Hellion is just basically the intro to Electric Eye. Uh, Ride It on the Wind. So I actually had a funny thought, and I wanted to get your... uh, Opinion on this TG. So when I listened to Riding on the Wind for the first time, because I had never heard that song before, I was like, and you're going to have to, I'm sorry to our listeners, if you're not familiar with South Park, you're just going to have to go out on a whim here. When I listened to Riding on the Wind, I was like, is this that South Park metal montage song that they play in that episode where they get high on cat piss and they travel to, like, the boob metal album area? Oh. <laughs> I was like, holy
1: no, No, um, that's. God, I, I don't know. Uh, God, let me look it up real quick. I I think the song is literally called heavy metal.
0: Um, but it just, it sounded so similar to me. I was like, I feel like they based that off this song, but yeah, I mean, either way, that kind of, that got me a kick. And to my surprise, I think actually my three favorite songs in this, which is unusual for me because I usually like higher tempo music. My three favorite songs were actually take these chains Pain and Pleasure, and You've Got Another Thing Coming, which was unusual because those are all the low-tempo songs. I definitely like the high-tempo songs like Electric Eye and Screaming for Vengeance as well, but for some reason, those slower-tempo songs with the fact that they kind of just got really good choruses really stood out to me, and they had a big impact on my psyche. So yeah, I mean, I really like this album in general. Uh, I can't speak as much to the history for Judas Priest and all that. Obviously... You've got another thing coming. It's probably their most recognizable song. It's one of them for sure. Probably, yeah. I mean, but uh, other than that, I can't really speak because I, I, other than a couple of live shows where I've heard them play Electric Eye, I haven't heard a lot of these other songs. So, you, have you got enough now? Or are you back on, uh, back on the tracks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, um, just just to kind of go back to what you said a minute ago. Uh, if I'm reading this right the South Park song was heavy metal I, I, I believe it was Sammy Hagar and It was part of some movie called heavy metal and that's what they were referencing in the episode, but Huh, but I can kind of see the similarity. I, I really can but um, so like I said, this is not my favorite Judas Priest album It's definitely up there uh, but it's it's still kind of a classic Judas Priest album just because of if for no other reason Electric Eye and you've got another thing coming. Uh, the title track is like it's it's kind of fun to listen to. It's great driving music, but really those are the two other songs. You know, Electric Eye and you got another thing coming. Those are the two classic songs for this album. Um, what makes this album interesting to me is it's kind of, it's almost a midpoint between the band's original sound and what they became known for in the late, in the late eighties, early nineties, because if you listen to their earlier stuff like British steel, uh, which featured songs like, uh, living after midnight, um, breaking the law, you know, those are, those are much more hard rock, rock and roll oriented, uh, sounds on those songs. Um, but as they moved, you know, as they moved on through the 80s, they started adopting this much heavier, almost Iron Maiden-ish sound. And uh, to me, that kind of peaked with their 1990 album, uh, Painkiller, which to me, that, that is my favorite Judas Priest album. That is my rust in peace of Judas Priest. But, um, you know, Screaming for, screaming for Vengeance, it, it kind of serves as an interesting midpoint because it still has a lot of that kind of hard rock groove to it in songs like, um, in songs like, you know, you've got another thing coming, but it also has that really heavy angry side to it in the electric eye. And, uh, you know, I just kind of think it's an interesting contrast to see. So, well, I don't think it's why I recommended that for us to talk about. If
0: I can step in, I don't think it's necessarily anger. I think it's like, energy like you know screaming that's that's, that's another way to put it screaming for vengeance wasn't necessarily because screaming for vengeance as weird as it sounds listening to that song I wasn't like oh they're angry I was just like they just got too much energy they gotta go for like a run or something (laughs) this is like it's kind of weird but Electric Eye actually felt like this is gonna sound stupid to again to our group of our fans but Electric Eye actually reminded me of like some anime I've seen where it's like they're out in space and there's a big battle with this giant space station. I was like, you know, I can feel like, yeah, like this is like some Gradia crap where like you got one spaceship and you got to blow up all the other things. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I feel like screaming for vengeance was really lacking, but yeah, you can feel the energy and the drive. Whereas in some of the other songs, like I said, surprisingly with the down tempo stuff. And I think, uh, that's kind of, uh, Oddly enough, I don't know if that's where they turned away from, but it feels like that was kind of what they were better suited to, you know? Anyway. uh, Yeah,
1: and also, I kind of want to comment on the vocals for just a minute. Um, Kind of going off what I said a minute ago, where their earlier stuff was a much more kind of rock and roll-oriented sound. Uh, If you listen to the way Rob Halford, uh, their vocalist, sounded back then, uh, he kind of had a a, a slightly more traditional-sounding singing voice. He wasn't like... Of extreme on most of his performances. But if you um, listen to like Screaming for Vengeance and Riding on the Wind, he starts using more and more of that falsetto voice. Um, If you listen to the later stuff, that's almost all he does. Like Painkiller, almost the entire thing, he's almost screaming, except he's not. He's just, you know, going full. And to kind of rip off Bruce Dickinson's nickname for a yeah, second. Yeah, I was
0: well, I was about to say because again, that just goes back to we're talking about the influence of Iron Maiden over there. That's because they felt like they needed to have that high pitch kind of. I don't necessarily know that I would call it wailing, but you know what I'm getting at. Like that's that, about what it is. Yeah, it's practically what it is, and I feel like they needed to. They, I guess they. I can't speak for him, but it seems like later on it felt like they needed to match up with that because of the popularity that iron maiden accrued, but maybe I'm just speaking out of place. I don't know.
1: Anyway, I I don't know either. All I know is at one point there was a group of people who would have called Judas priest, like the poor man's iron maiden, which I think is really unfair because Judas priest is an amazing, equally influential band in their own, in their own right. And, uh, their own sound going. And, uh, I mean, obviously growing, you know, coming up in the same musical scene in the same time period, of course, they're going to have some similarities, but.
0: Well, I guess they're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's what I come back to is like, even though all three of these are probably some of our, I'm not going to say their favorite albums, but they're some of our favorite bands. Uh, these, they're all different. So it's kind of weird to me that as Judas Priest developed, they seem to kind of change their style because I really liked Again, what it comes back to for me is I like the low tempo stuff. The because I wasn't something I got a lot out of other metal bands where it kind of felt like a mixture of, I guess, I'm trying to think of the right term. It's not it's not really grunge, but it was kind of like slow tempo kind of. I don't know. I'll have to. I need to put some more thought into that. But anyway, <laughs> it felt different from the high tempo kind of blasting thresh metal the thrash metal that I'm used to listening to. And it's not core. It's not anything crazy like that. It's just take it easy. It's kind of like a, they're taking a heavy tempo and they're kind of, I don't know. Point is, I don't think they need to emulate anybody. They had their own sound. They were very unique and I really liked what they did. I mean, regardless of what people's thoughts are later on. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Like I said, if, if you want to hear where this sound was heading, just go listen to the album painkiller. That album is just pure out fucking insanity
0: all right well anyway on that note i think we're pretty much done here uh thank you as always to our listeners i hope you enjoyed this little throwback and uh please let us know if you'd like to hear more stuff like this uh until next time tg do you got anything to say to our audience
1: yes with the hurricane coming up through 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 florida remember there's only one no two things to do drink all day and shoot at the storm in honor of our fallen
0: Floridian brethren. Do you see the video with the like, uh, Mars attacks robot walking through the, uh, storm? I mean, oh, no, God. I
1: didn't I'll have to look that up
0: anyway. Yeah. It's like, Oh no, Florida's got more problems now. <laughs> anyway. ak, 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 ak. All right. Y'all take it easy, everybody. Good night.